Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Good morning. It is Monday, January 9th. It is six minutes after 10, and you're listening to the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, fresh off his big battle to secure his new gig, is once again, once again, going to have to get his party together. They're after going to be all on the same page as they vote on a new House rules package sometime today, possibly this evening. And the package proposals include capping spending at the 22 level for the next 10 years. And it's also expected to result in some cuts to existing programs. But how about that Marjorie Taylor Greene over the weekend, in, in Friday night, the battles that were taking place. She's really into Kevin McCarthy. Have you noticed that? Like the photos of them together? How she raced down to take a selfie with him That is okay. right after he was declared the winner? Here's the thing. Like if someone is your boss, well, which I mean, he's not technically her boss, but in a position of leadership, mm-hmm. like there's a certain gravitas with that person that you bestow upon them. Like, okay, here's an example. Our boss, David Wood. Mm-hmm. We have a huge amount of respect for David. We like David personally, mm-hmm. but we also accept the fact that this guy is our boss, right? Like he's management. Like we are not sprinting down the hallways here at Urban One saying, oh, let's get a selfie together mm-hmm. because he's our boss. And again, it's not exactly an apples to apples comparison, but it's like you're a U.S. rep. He's a U.S. rep. You both are supposed to fight for your constituents and this buddy buddy thing like this just this overnight turn where you went from antagonist to I thought, well, that's pretty cool. Somebody who's willing to one of the few people willing to stand up to this guy to sprinting to a selfie together. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, there's a level of respect you would give the speaker of the house. He is of your party. He is, even before he was speaker, the leader of the Republicans in the Senate. So from that perspective, to use the analogy with our boss, but you at the end of the day, you are the same level of you you both have one vote and your vote is for your your constituents and that is very weird about the way she has just like changed overnight Mm -hmm. and was doing the pictures and i mean it's just am i way off base on that that that's very odd behavior no she didn't stick to her convictions somebody got to her changed her mind but that's the question If, if you have been a professional agitator for the entire time you've been there, and clearly people have been trying to get at you the entire time you've been there, mm-hmm. and you haven't wavered, why would you instant... This is what I don't understand, whether it's Jim Banks or whoever, what is the lure of this guy? What was? Why was he the hill that was worth dying on? I mean, yes, they theoretically got a bunch of concessions for uh, when, when it was all said and done, but Jim Banks and Marjorie Taylor Greene were not the ones... She didn't get any. ...who got the concessions. Yeah. They were rolling over from day one mm-hmm. without any of the accountability mm-hmm. stuff or any of the fiscal restraints that were put in place in order to secure his vote. So this is what I don't understand, why the people just 
died on the hill for this guy, but she was on, was it Fox News the other day? or I, I forget where she was. But anyway, she was um, talking about why she totally sided with McCarthy and stabbed conservatives in the back without getting anything in return. You tweeted, it's a good, I guess in late December, um, being conservative and anti-establishment, I used to criticize Kevin McCarthy a lot. So if that's true, why did you end up on his side when some of your fellow conservatives in the Freedom Caucus, obviously, you know, Gates was saying he will not win next week, next month, next year. That, thank you. That's a great question. Yeah, they did. He did say that. And sure enough, Kevin McCarthy is our speaker. Well, here's what happened. I came into Congress and, you know, uh, Kevin and I, we had some public uh, confrontations or not necessarily confrontations, but said things about one mm -hmm. another. But I did something that I wish more members of Congress would do. I started talking to Kevin McCarthy and I went and met with him and got to know him better and got to understand where where he sees the conference going, what he sees our agenda and what we should do. And that's why I came around a lot sooner than 20 of my Freedom Caucus colleagues. But listen, here's the great news. I'm glad they came around this past week. Mm -hmm. So what you saw them do, uh, learn to trust them and, and have faith in the plan going forward. I was able to do that over the past year, but I hope more more, more of my colleagues do that. Sounds like they had a great bonding session. There was a cartoon character called Daisy Duck. Mm -hmm. And remember, like, she would see Donald Duck and her big eyelids would start to flutter and hearts would start popping out over her head as mm -hmm. her eyelids were fluttering. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm picturing her doing. <laughs> With Kevin McCarthy. As she's talking about Kevin McCarthy. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Kevin McCarthy, there's nothing in his background that shows that he's going to be a leader or a fighter or has a track record of doing that. He has a track record of doling out huge dollars to Ukraine. He has Mitch McConnell's full-fledged support. That doesn't make any sense why you would just, what, you had one conversation with the guy and then all of a sudden, yeah, okay, I'm on, I'm for him. Again, at least the 20 people, while I don't agree with anyone ever voting for Kevin McCarthy, and I wish Matt Gates had kept this going into today because it would have been better for our show, <laughs> at least they held out long enough to get a lot of really good stuff. There is a lot of really good stuff that if it is honored, and that's the big thing, will theoretically make this country a better place. Now, I don't think it'll be honored. I think they'll figure out ways around it. But at least those people got stuff. She got nothing. Mm -hmm. Jim Banks got nothing. They just rolled over and said, sure. So the Daisy Duke cartoon that you mentioned. Daisy Duck. Daisy Duck. Yes. <laughs> Daisy, Daisy Duck. That's a totally different person. Daisy Duck. Are her eyelashes, is that for McCarthy or is that for Trump? Because, you know, we all saw the picture that Trump called her and she had him on the phone. Yeah, but she was sprinting for photos and selfies and uh, she... She looked at him the way you look at me every day. And I'm like, you know, I understand that because, you know, I'm me, but I'm kidding. Trump told her what to do. She wasn't looking out for her constituents. No, no. She was looking out for herself. No, this is not. She could have easily just voted for him or whatever if that was what she was going to do. But she did that way before, one, Trump got involved. Because remember, they'd already had several rounds of voting before Trump got involved. And there's a difference between going, well, I've listened to the president and I think whatever so I'm going to do this. Okay, that's weird, too, that you would let one person tell you what to do. You're not sprinting for self. I mean, she, like, the just undying admiration in her eyes for him was, that's weird. 
You know, and look, Thomas Massey voted for McCarthy, and I don't understand that because I love Thomas Massey, and I thought he was the best member of the House, and he's been the one consistent, reliable, unwavering conservative. I don't agree with that. But Thomas Massey was not waiting in line to get selfies with Kevin McCarthy. He's not going on the social the talk shows singing Kevin McCarthy's praises whatever I think Massey probably looks at it as like I'm going to defy him no matter who's in there and I'm not going to like him so let's just get the show on the road but the point is this is a lot like mm-hmm. it's what she's doing is a lot now she did talk about Trump's role in getting these holdouts to vote for McCarthy there towards the end, I had been talking with President Trump uh, several times that night, and I was trying to get Matt Rosendale on the phone with him. President Trump mm-hmm. wanted to talk to him, and I was shocked that he refused his phone call. And he seemed angry about it. He was angry. He he yelled at me on the House floor, uh, telling me, "Don't you ever do this?" Uh, I, I was so surprised I couldn't understand. I was holding out my phone, saying, "It's President Trump. He he wants to speak with you." You know, President Trump endorsed I think all 20 and and was there anybody else on the floor at that time that you were able to get to take a call from the former president well you know these are my freedom caucus allies and yes and our voting records are literally the same Mm -hmm. I I I have a 100 percent conservative voting record and will continue to have one Um, but he he had talked to them multiple uh, of the 20 during the course of the week uh, urging them to vote for Kevin McCarthy for speaker because we have a great agenda and the agenda is easy to support. It's the same type of agenda the base supports. Uh, so we were ready to go. Um, but it, it took a while to get there, but I'm really glad they came around. So she's saying she was basically happy going forward without all the concessions, like you mentioned. And it's not the MTG of the past. It's it's like when somebody goes corporate or sell out. Yeah. And she's like Snoop Dogg. <laughs> MTG it's now to Congress what Snoop Dogg and Ice T and mm-hmm. Ice Cube and the rest of those guys are. They're now just they took the payday, right? Well, everybody's saying that McCarthy won and Gates and Bobert lost. But McCarthy's now likely gonna be the least powerful speaker in history. Which is great. Not because Kevin McCarthy it's Kevin McCarthy, which is good because it's Kevin McCarthy, but the speaker should not be that powerful. The House of Representatives should have the voice. Mm-hmm. The heroes in this are the 20 people who held out. Victoria Sparks does not count. There's nothing noble in voting present and then saying we should go behind closed doors and not let the public know what we're talking about, which is exactly what she did. But those 20 people who held out from mm-hmm. the very beginning, some of them weaved in and out throughout the process, they got the stuff. Mm-hmm. They are the heroes. Casey, when we come back. Yeah. I learned something about the stock market over the weekend about how these many of these mega companies mm. work. And it is like I didn't know this was how it worked, but I kind of knew this is why I don't put my money in the stock market. <laughs> it is uh, it just blew my mind that this is a thing and this is allowed to happen. All right. Uh, WWE talk coming up from 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
minutes after 10 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So Vince McMahon rejoining the board of WWE. This comes several months after he retired from the sports entertainment company during an an investigation into his alleged misconduct. Uh, WWE said Friday that the founder and majority shareholder would return as executive chairman. And then the shares surged up by 22%. So I spent more time than I... I'm kind of embarrassed how much time I spent learning about how World Wrestling Entertainment was set up as a company this Mm -hmm. weekend because I'm I'm fascinated by this because it is like a real-life wrestling plot playing out in real life. So Mm -hmm. for those of you who may not be familiar, Vince McMahon, obviously the founder of WWE, was WWF at the time, took it public, WWE. He was forced out of the company Mm -hmm. uh, last year because of alleged sexual improprieties that he used his own money, in fairness, he used his own money to craft non-disclosure agreements to get those people not to talk. And for a variety of reasons, the board of directors said, you kind of got to go. It's not making the company look good. And he agreed to step aside. However, he, and I did know this, he remained the largest shareholder of WWE stock. And Mm so he disappeared for about six months and then... La- over Christmas break, it, be- it came to light. He told the board, I want to come back to WWE. And the board told him, thank you, but no thank you. You're a bajillion years old and you've got all these things looming over you. And there may be more than what e- even the public knows about. No thanks. So then he basically said, well, in order to renegotiate the television rights deal, mm-hmm. and which is up in 2024 for WWE, which is their major source of revenue, mm-hmm. and potentially sell the company, I will not permit either of these things to happen without me being involved in the process. So then I started thinking, well, how does one person on a publicly traded company, even if you have the majority of the shares, have that much pull? Well- and is it because he decides who's on the board? So this is what I started yeah. like, and this is why I don't do stock market, Casey, because, <laughs> and I, I knew it without knowing it, but there is so much of your money that you have wrapped up that is totally rigged against you in the sense of what might be in your best interest as an owner of that company. So here's what I'm talking about. The way his company was set up when he took that company public you know he's selling everybody should be involved in the wwe and we want you to have an ownership in the wrestling that you love and you know he made huge money off this they set it up to where they had two types of stock class a and class b and class A was the one that anybody could buy. Don't you want to own the wrestling of your childhood? Don't you want to own a piece of Hulkamania and Stone Cold Steve Austin? That's what the public bought. But the class B stock is the one that has all the voting rights and ability. And so while Vince McMahon only owns, I think it's something like 38% of the overall shares, he owns 84% of the class B of the voting stock. So you have a guy who will forever and always mm-hmm. set it up to where he is in control and makes all the choices while it is a publicly traded company. The public has absolutely zero say in what goes on with this company. And even a guy who is accused, 
from at least not criminally, but from a corporate standpoint of really terrible, awful things the way he ran this country, can at any time just come back and do whatever he wants and sell to whoever he wants or not sell to whoever he wants, and you have basically no say in it whatsoever. Yeah, he's the guy who set it up. It's his company. He can do what he wants. He can come and go as he pleases. So the idea, though, and what I'm saying is, and I'm not saying this is illegal, but what I'm saying is the idea that of a publicly traded company, the public actually still has no voice in this publicly traded company. So when he said, I'm coming back, because mm-hmm. he then responded to them and said, no, I'm I'm coming back and I'm firing these people off the board right. and I'm naming these two people to be on the board. Right, because if there's dissenters, he can say, okay, see ya, bye-bye. And I'm just reading this going, if it's working here, and this is something I know wrestling, so I know how to understand exactly what's going on. And I know many of these players, you know, I know of the ones that are coming and going, et cetera. Think about these other companies in which they want to act like the public. It is you are an owner in this company. You ain't nothing. You're just some man or woman who's at the whim of an eccentric 77-year-old billionaire who's kind of losing, it appears, losing his marbles and is going to do whatever (laughs) he wants and now maybe doing things out of spite. Who knows? Well, sorry. I'll keep the show going. It's fine. Are you okay? They're figureheads is what they are. And he said that he thinks that WWE has an opportunity to maximize their value. And I said last week he's going to sell, and you said no, he's not. Selling. No way. You don't think he's selling? No way. Even though this, why else would he come back? Because he's trying to board. Get the, he's getting the shares up to twenty two percent higher than they were. Board. And they can say this company is valued for more money. Yeah. We've got all of these big things coming up. Uh, it's already valued at over a billion dollars. It's going to be worth even more. And then he's going to turn around and have someone like Fox or NBC Universal pick it up. I interviewed his wife years ago. Linda McMahon is his wife. I guess you would probably call her a strange wife now based on the things that Vince has been accused of. And I don't think they live together anymore, but I think they're still legally married. She was the small head of the Small Business Administration under Trump. And she came to Indianapolis and was doing something at the Motor Speedway. And I interviewed her. Year, this was years ago, seven, six, seven years ago now. And she told the story, and this is why I don't think he will ever sell. She told the story of what they went through to create that company and how they were having cars repossessed. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they were broke. And when you factor that in with the fact that Vince McMahon had a pretty horrific childhood, even though his dad was a famous wrestling promoter, he did not live with his biological father. He lived with his mother, basically like in a trailer in North Carolina and didn't really know his dad until his teens. Vince McMahon's whole life has been about proving people wrong and basically getting revenge for his really crappy childhood. And so when you factor that in with the story about what it took to create this, that company will go when he dies. When he is no longer there to say, I will not sell this company, it will be sold. In the meantime, he is figuring out a way to manipulate himself back to the head Mm -hmm. of this company, which would not be good for anyone. And shareholders are at the whim of this. By the way, please consult your investment professional. I'm not offering any investment <laughs> advice. So you're saying that this is more of an emotional yes. thing for him and you're, than and an you're, actual and, financial and thing. And while the stock may have gone way up, if indeed it comes out, yeah, Vince really didn't have any intent to sell, I think some people could be in for a very rude awakening. Yeah. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Did we get some phone calls? Yes, we got quite a few, some good ones. Uh, brought a whole bevy of topics. Excellent. Well, we're going to hear from you coming up from 93 WIBC. 
I'm so sorry you have just reached my answering machine. Good morning. It is 1032. You're listening to the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC 317-684-8444. That is our phone number. And I assume over the weekend we got loaded up with a bunch of good phone calls. Yeah. So obviously the big conversation in the Republican Party going forward is going to be who is the leader? Who's the face? Who's the nominee? Those sort of questions. They're all kind of tied together in the same in the same by the same thread and one of the things we've talked about with ron DeSantis and trump is whatever your opinion of either one of them are you have to be living in a cave or hiding under a rock to not acknowledge that there are a huge group of people out there who like trump's policies or Mm -hmm. liked trump's policies but do not like trump the person and they will not vote for Trump the person, but they will vote for someone who has Trump's policies without the Trump demeanor, right? Mm-hmm. You and I have talked about this a million times. It's Trump without the baggage. I do not want to go back to politics because you have to cut the bull crap once you get into the thing to get things done. Doesn't mean your views have to change. Doesn't mean your principles have to change. But it means you have to change the way in which you operate in order to be effective because people expect certain things from their politicians. Now, they can be lied to, they can be manipulated, they can be used, they can be all these things, but they want you to be professional in the way you're doing it, especially if you're a Republican. Now, you can be John Fetterman if you're a Democrat. Hi, good night, everybody, and that's fine. (laughs) But if you're a Republican... They want you and expect you. you. There is a higher bar for Republicans than Democrats. Doesn't make it right. Just means it is. I don't want to do that. I like coming on here and seeing who I can antagonize and who I can get to just hate me more than they did the day before. But Trump never understood that, right? He kept playing the role of television personality mm-hmm. in the presidency. And so we got a phone call that I thought really summed this up about the difference between these two and the reality on the ground when it comes to who you're going to pick to be the nominee. I had an interesting talk with a friend the other day who has voted straight-ticket Democrat his whole life. We both agreed that Ron DeSantis would be the unifier for this country. And he says he'll be voting Republican if he runs. Mm. So keep spreading the word. I think we may have a winner there. I just uh, It gave me a little bit of hope that has been long overdue. All right. Love your show. Take care. God bless. Interesting that Ron DeSantis would be someone that a Democrat would vote for. Right. Is it possible that DeSantis could peak too soon? Well, that's why he shouldn't run until way late. Because you're right. How can I miss you if you won't go away? And DeSantis has done a great job in terms of the national conversation of going away. You're always going to want what you can't have. And once you have DeSantis, it's different than uh, the not having him because now he's he's in the flesh, right? Like now he's in the game and there is a track record. Now, DeSantis is far superior to Fred Thompson or Rick Perry, but there is a track record of Republicans who people go, oh, my gosh, wouldn't it be great if so-and-so ran and then so-and-so runs and it's not. And we get to know him a little too what much. What you envision it being. And I think DeSantis is going to be very strategic and smart about that, which is saying, look, everybody knows who I am. I can run without running. I don't have to be in this thing. And I would say fall, late late fall. He doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows what he is. Everybody knows what he's done. He can keep fundraising. He can speak at these Lincoln Day dinners or whatever it is these, and, and, and still be a part of the conversation. Ron DeSantis gets it. And if you put Ron DeSantis's 
track record on paper, Mm -hmm. most fair people. Now, look, there's die in the wool Democrats that are never going to vote no matter who it is, et cetera. But most fair, honest brokers would look at the resume on paper and say, yeah, I like that. Ron DeSantis's record on paper is a lot better than Donald Trump's, especially if you factor in Trump was bribing people like Eric Holcomb to shut down society and Ron DeSantis was keeping it open. Right. Ron DeSantis was doing the opposite of that. Right. And you were there. Yeah. You know better than anyone yeah. what it was like to be in a place mm-hmm. that was open, unlike here where our governor was trying to put you in jail for not wearing a mask. And you know what? I remember uh, early on when places like CNN were showing pictures of the beach and they were old, wrong pictures. Yeah, right. Sure. And it wasn't like that at all. Yeah. You know, people were still being responsible, and but it was they were trying to paint it as just oh, spring breakers and it's COVID super spreader. And Re- remember in the beginning, it was so not like they weren't even bogus old pictures. There was some frat because there was a group of people who, in the very early days of COVID, before anything had actually been shut down, went to something in Florida, and it was some sort of spring break event. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that those kids were the, going to be the reason that COVID spread across the entire country. Right. Remember that? I mean, yes. it was, it's utterly I believe there were pictures utterly ridiculous. from Jacksonville. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. And it, it, it wasn't even from that weekend. They were old photos. It was stock photos. All right. Uh, we got a call about someone who would have liked to have seen Trump become Speaker of the House. It wouldn't be bad if Trump got in. Now, hear me out. I can't stand Trump right now. I, I'm off the Trump train. I jumped the track a long time ago. <laughs> but it would make him feel important. It would allow us to have the Trump policies in play. And it would get him out of the way for DeSantis for 2024. That's just my opinion on it. Go ahead and call me an idiot, Rob. I know you will. And also, I think that, watch, I got 10 bucks on the line saying that everybody who has been going against McCarthy, watch, they're going to get raided by the FBI or swatted or whatever it is. Guarantee it. Keep it up, guys. I love you, Casey. You and your beautiful soul. And Rob, you are the most educational guy I know. But you're off. Thanks, guys. I like her. I like her a lot. But I agree with her, and I've been saying this for a long time, that you know, any, Trump did get the one nomination. And one vote yes. for Speaker of the House. Yes. And that was talked about for a long time before it actually happened. Hey, what if they made Trump the Speaker of the House? He would do well in an elder statesman role. The pro- Supervisory. But the, but the problem is, so you just hit the, the, he doesn't want that. He doesn't want to be in a supervisor. I know he doesn't want it. It's where he should go, though. Right. And the when you're a Speaker of the House, whether it's in the Indiana House of Representatives or the United States House of Representatives, you're basically a... You're, you, theoretically you should be you're like a referee right like you kind of help set the agenda and then you basically should take yourself out of the equation in terms of you know being on the tv shows etc because you are sort of the judge jury and executioner based on running the floor what goes up how motions are handled etc and so it is really hard or should be if you want to do the job right it was like, I never wanted to be the president of the governing body. I never tried. That was always like the big deal. Everybody wanted to be president. I just like to sit on the end because you can cause the most trouble sitting on the end. If you're in the center seat mm-hmm. and you're calling the balls and strikes and there's a certain level of professionalism and decorum, et cetera, that comes with that, you take away your ability to be an advocate and an agitator on the things you need to advocate and agitate for. So I don't, 
I don't think Trump would be good, and uh, you're not an idiot for thinking that, but the Republicans have to get past Trump. They have to get past him being involved in any shape, form, or fashion, because as long as he is in a position of leadership and some sort of elected or appointed or whatever, the media is going to use that, and they're going to make people believe that it's still the party of Trump, and the Republicans have got to figure out a way to get past that. Well, and we keep going back to the independents as well, because that is the area where the Republicans can gain some votes, and those independents aren't going to go with Trump. And DeSantis could be the best shot for the Republicans in 24 because he doesn't have that stigma tied to him like Trump does. And the polling says that it's not necessarily Trump's because they're tying. And in many cases, DeSantis is beating Trump. You know this better than I do. You are very close with someone who spent a lot of time in sales. Mm -hmm. And you know, because this person was very good at sales, the biggest part of sales and selling to someone is just how they feel about the person. Mm-hmm. It's not even do they need the product or do they want the product. It's like kind of like what they said in in Tommy Boy. You know, I mean, it's basically the movie Tommy Boy. Once you feel good about buying from the person and the person feels good about selling to you, that's the relationship. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Republicans who did not get across the finish line because America does not want to buy from Donald Trump anymore. That's the reality of it. And if Ron DeSantis is the face, whether it is in uh, Montana with John Tester or in West Virginia with Joe Manchin or in Ohio with Sherrod Brown, uh, and at the, Michigan now is in play with Debbie Stabenow, not running. Whoever's at the top of the ticket is who America is going to be buying from. And yes, the candidate, him or herself, plays a role in it. But in a national election, mm-hmm. so goes the president. Often so goes the, the rest of the rest of the ticket. No, you're right. You have to be able to solve a problem and you have to like who is helping you right. solve that problem as well. Uh, we got one more phone call. I totally forgot what it was, but it's really good because I put it on the template. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, what's going on now in the House? It shows American people what's wrong with the government. Not that they haven't picked a speaker yet. That's fine. Go through the process. But like you said, they're supposed to earn your vote. But that's not what they're doing. They're trying to cut deals to get somebody to change their vote. That's not the way this is supposed to work. But that's what they'll do. People will change their vote to benefit themselves or their lobbyist buddies or something like that. And that is not at all what this is supposed to be about. But that's what the... Federal and state government does. They just, it's all about them. Anyway, have a good weekend. Love the show. Yeah, I mean, it's almost embarrassing that it hasn't happened sooner. That means for the past 100 years, there's been all of these decisions based on backdoor deals. Right. It's, it's club sport. It's a, it's, a, it's a private club, and you're not invited to be a part of it. And this is, you know, the thing we've tried to articulate to people, and I think people are getting better at it, but it's a very long process because, as you pointed out, there's a hundred years of people being ingrained in them mm-hmm. that your vote should not be given. Your vote should be earned. Mm-hmm. And if every candidate down the ballot, as you work through that ballot, hasn't earned your vote, and you can't tell me, well, this person did such and such to earn my vote, then leave it blank. I mean, those people who were banging up, look, the Victoria Sparks did the present thing because she's a coward. And she didn't. She was trying to thread a needle of not offend the money donors and lobbyists that'll help her run for U.S. Senate and not offend her constituency at home. But there is, if someone has not earned your vote, there's no shame in leaving it blank. In fact, that's the best thing you can possibly do. And I guess present is sort of the leave it blank 
type of thing if you're doing it genuinely because no one has earned your vote. And we got to make people start earning the votes. It's not going to get better. This country's not going to get better. Governance is not going to get better unless you make people earn the vote. Isn't today the beginning of the accountability meeting? I mean, the U.S. House of Representatives yeah. are starting and the Indiana legislature starts today. So this is it. It's Monday. Let's get to work, people. Yep. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We get it almost every night. Good morning, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So the Colts lost to the Texans, securing the fourth pick in the NFL draft. And then the Bears lost, and they'll have the first overall pick. So the question for Hammer, how much should the Colts pay the Bears to get that first round pick? I'm all in. Everybody is available on the roster. Go get your quarterback. Who? Would, why would we want anything on the Colts roster? Well, I'm saying picks and the roster. Mm-hmm. It's a given that the, there'd be a pick flop, and you'd also have to add either a future first rounder or maybe a second rounder, whatever. That's kind of a given, right? But if you're the Bears and you'd like to pick out DeForest Buckner, if you want to pick out somebody else, maybe Kenny Moore to help you in the secondary, anybody is on the table here because I'm looking at the AFC playoffs. Look at every single quarterback in the AFC playoffs. They're all 27 and younger. Patrick Mahomes is the old man at 27. And you've got two cats who are the first number one picks in the draft, Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. And the other quarterbacks, the teams traded up to get or they went relatively high. So having the right trigger man is what you build an NFL franchise around. It's not a guard. It's not a running back. Do what you have to do to get the guy. I love Bryce Young of Alabama. I know he's a little on the shorter side. I think he's like 5'10", 5'11". But Jalen Hurts has proven you can be around six foot and still be an MVP candidate. Here's why I love this, Casey. For the first time in my life, mm-hmm. Hammer needs me. <laughs> <laughs> I need that Bears number one. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you know this. I just don't like you. <laughs> and I'm like, Hammer and I are making the trades as though like we have any actual say mm-hmm. over Because I was just going to say, I'm going to make you pay. The ba- I'm sure the Bears will probably trade for Quentin Nelson and swap picks. That's just, that would be a very Bears thing of them to do, wouldn't it? <laughs> it probably would. Um, but if you're the Bears, you have to trade that, right? Because yeah. there's so many teams that need a quarterback, and the Bears don't. That's like the one thing yeah. that the Bears don't have, don't need, is a quarterback. So the Texans, they're at number two. You're going to see them draft a quarterback. Whoever the second quarterback is, that's who they're taking. So if you're the Colts and you don't want to get stuck with the third best quarterback, which is probably the Kentucky kid, Will Levis, which I'm not a fan of. I saw him throw pick after pick against the Volunteers this year. (laughs) Um, I think you've got to find a way to go up. And I'm so sick of these fans. Don't give away all your assets. Don't give all your assets to the Bears. What assets? (laughs) You haven't made the playoffs in two years in the worst division in football. You won one division game this past year in the worst division in football, and none of them were against the Texans. Did Lovey Smith get fired? Is that confirmed? Yes. How about that? Lovey, and by the way, Lovey Smith finally did something for me. 
After all those years of being subjected to <laughs> Lovey Smith's confused look up at the scoreboard as whatever underachieving quarterback he'd rolled out there through another pick six, Lovey Smith finally made it all whole yesterday. Was that Lose- his biggest win in his Bears career? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. We are totally even for him starting Rex Grossman in the Super Bowl. Uh, and then they fire him. What did they think they were going to have with with the with the, the team they gave him this year? And I load the defend Lovey Smith, but what what if you're the Texans? How did you think that was going to go anything other than three thirteen and one? Right, much like the Colts had a hard time recovering when Andrew Luck screwed them over. The Deshaun Watson situation screwed over the Texans because he was supposed to be their guy for the next eight to ten years. Well, then, turns out he likes going to the massage part a little <laughs> little too often and getting a little handsy and aggressive. So their franchise quarterback, you know, they bench him for a long time, then they finally trade him away. And then you have to go with the dude named Davis Mills. Now, there are worse quarterbacks in the league, but that's certainly not a guy that you're going to make a run with. Yeah, Lovey Smith kind of got done dirty there, but I guess winning that game against the Colts screwed the franchise, so you're gone. I cannot tell you the shock on my face when, one, that guy caught that ball in the end zone, and two, then he's like, we're going for the win. Of course. Why not? I, I mean, loved it. Why not? I loved it. I thought that was awesome. Something I didn't love, though, IU basketball. Wow. They're lucky that the Colts played yesterday. Yeah, nobody was talking about it. Everybody was talking about the Colts because this IU team is a mess right now. And for Woodson, their coach, who hat tipped to Jake Query, pointed this out to me, sounds just like Tone Loke. Um, Mike Woodson in the post game goes out and says, Yeah, well, we got some injuries. We can't guard anybody. What the hell is that? You're the coach. Mm -hmm. All these recruits and all these players, you can't guard Northwestern. It's not like the 1990 UNLV squad went into Assembly Hall yesterday. Northwestern came in and put an ass beating on you. We can't guard anybody. Yeah, no kidding. He going to get fired? No, he's not going to get fired because I think they're still paying off a bunch of different crap in that athletic program. But somebody is going to have to get off their backside and do some coaching here. Like Trace Jackson Davis is doing everything he can. I think he played all 40 minutes yesterday and he's putting up great numbers. The one freshman kid, Hood Shafino, scores some points, but nobody guards anybody. How can they not shoot? It's IU. Every year, IU basketball cannot shoot the ball. How is that a thing? Right. And that's what my friends and I were talking about over the weekend. If you're a college, not just IU, but a college in Indiana or Kentucky, you should never have a lack of shooters because of the high school basketball system that you have. There's always a kid practicing 500 threes a day somewhere, and if you can find a spot for him, he doesn't have to be your star. But if you can find a spot for him, he'll help you win. Big game tonight. Mm -hmm. You had your award-winning television show on Wish TV over the weekend. Can you reveal to the country where you're going? uh, Georgia TCU. 13. Is it 13? It's up to 13 now. I'm with Georgia. To cover? I think Georgia blows out TCU. Really? Hacksaw Jim Dugan quarterbacking for the TCU squad not doing anything for you? No, it doesn't, man. It doesn't. I I think Georgia just goes at them tonight, and everybody likes an upset. Everybody likes a Cinderella. But every once in a while, Darth Vader chops off the hand of Luke Skywalker, (laughs) and you're going to see a ticked-off, angry Georgia squad take it out on TCU tonight. 
You think they'll do it back to back, huh? It is, and, and again, I'm a Tennessee guy, and it, mm-hmm. it, I that hate hurts, saying yeah, that. Hurts. It hurts me to say that, but <laughs> I've got some coinage on the dogs tonight. They've taken the best shot from some really good offenses this year, from Ohio State, mm-hmm. from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Max, teach me how to Duggan's got nothing to offer the Georgia Bulldogs they haven't seen already. And you know why I love Hammer? He bet on the end of that Packers game last night just because he could. One drive left to go. It didn't work out for you. But, man, you threw some serious dollars out there on one drive. I love it. And I was playing with profits because Daddy had a great weekend. What's coming up this afternoon? Uh, Guy Relford will join us, and Kevin Bowen talks a little Colts postmortem. Thanks, Hammer. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.